and welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Hello. Hola. Hola. This uh, is much different than our originally planned recording for today. Indeed. It's a, it's a little... Uh... It's probably extremely different. It's very different. So for listeners of the podcast that uh, were very attentive, you would know that we were supposed to be recording in person today because I was supposed to be down in L.A. because I was supposed to go to uh, the double Hong Kong screening last night at the New Beverly Cinema. And my apologies to any listeners that showed up looking for us because I, at the last second, had an emergency come up like a legitimate emergency as I was preparing to walk out the door for the day. I had my car already packed, everything else, uh, but luckily I hadn't left yet. So everyone is okay, but I had to uh, attend to some very important things uh, yesterday, excuse me, uh, as well as today. So unfortunately, I was not able to come down very as last second as it gets, but alas, here we are. Everyone is safe and healthy and we're recording. We're still getting it done. And and we're talking about probably one of the most fun films from the 1970s globally. Yes, globally. It, it all depends on what release date you're looking at, bro. But yes, uh, obviously this is extremely last second because originally we were going to be just talking about a hodgepodge of things, the screenings and like what we were doing because we were supposed to have a whole guys uh, like 48 hours where we were just hanging out, working out, watching uh, brand new Blu-rays. But instead, last second, I threw this movie out there. We were both able to watch it in the last... Uh, pretty much like 12 hours. So yeah, we are talking about a great film today, one of my all-time favorites. It's, I believe it's been on my Kung Fu comfort list before, but I love watching this movie anytime. I could talk about this movie anytime. I have seen it dozens of times, literally, and we'll get to that later. But in the meantime, how are you today, good sir? You have a whole day off. Uh, so, yeah, it, you know, it, uh, it was very nice. It's, 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 Heating up, warming up in LA. Uh, so uh, took advantage of waking up early. Uh, walked Otis, then walked him again, uh, and then I uh, got a nice cup of coffee. I haven't had coffee for I think about three days. What? So I know why I was I was on a hiatus. I don't know, just just to try it. Oh, okay. And I I succeeded. All right. You know, it's funny. no. I don't know if I succeeded. I just did it until I, I wanted. I, I wanted to be inspired by the coffee I was getting. So okay, uh, went and had a little co- a Cuban coffee. Oh, and, uh, from uh, the place off of Sunset. Yes, uh, Cafe Tropical. There we go. We went uh, and had a really been... good Cuban coffee. It and you know, it's nice to have that once a week, couple times a month. But when you don't go have coffee for a few days, and then you 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 break the the coffee fast with that, it's 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 heaven. Yeah, I, I haven't done any true coffee indulgence in the sense of like something special in the longest time, just because the opportunity hardly arises for us, you know, I, I and especially since I've quit training in the evenings and, you know, my sleep's been getting back to normal, my uh, eating, my everything else. I've also pretty much eliminated the afternoon coffees. Like right now I'm sipping on uh, a decaf, which I haven't even had in weeks, but yeah, I, I need to, uh, maybe we should find like a legit coffee place here in the Fresno area on the weekend to go try some some fine coffee. But yeah, three days, wow. I You know, I, I can't even think of like 
once again, I'm, I try not to drink more than what would be the equivalent of one large coffee every morning, but I can't remember the last time I went more than 24 hours without a coffee. I, I was starting, it, it's funny because, you know, you do start to get a headache and I wanted to get past the headache. Got that was it. the only, that was the only thing I wanted to do was just get past the headache. So I got past the headache. And so uh, I figured uh, it was now time. So yes. So how was my day? It's, it's not the same. We, we planned other things, but uh, I uh, broke my coffee fast, which I was intending to do with you arriving anyway. Well, cause we probably would have walked to our uh, bullet uh, butter, whatever coffee. Yeah. Something, something along those lines. Something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, but it's been it's been a nice day so far. I caught I rewatched uh, the film we're discussing. Nice, and uh, went and got the microphone, which I then left in the car. Went down to the car, forgot to bring it up. Went down to the car, but it's one of those days where I get to, I have a to do list. I you know stay on point because it is all of a sudden an unplanned day, an unscheduled day. Um, but also, I checked everything off the list, so now I'm. This is it. This is the last thing on the list. Other than tonight, we open up the campaign defending our championship on uh, the soccer team. Oh, so you're going to be playing? Uh, yeah, another yeah. So yeah, since you since you're not in town, I was like, oh yeah, I'll make the game. I wasn't going to. Well, there you go. All right, cool. Yeah. You'll get a you'll get some soccer playing in. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, same old, same old here. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> nothing uh, nothing new to report. But let's uh, get into talking uh, about. Martial arts movie news, if there's anything relevant to discuss. Uh, oh, I guess today, uh, since Jessica was home for the day, we watched uh, Polite Society, which was oh. that British kind of genre-melding martial arts action comedy, quasi-ends up being sort of horror film. And it was a lot of fun. It was all over the place. It, it had a spiritual reminder of kind of goofy, campy uh, Hong Kong comedies from the the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, just, have you heard of this film by chance? Or did I you have heard it? of it. I haven't yeah. seen it. It's, uh, it's on Peacock, so we gave it okay. a watch. And... The, the action is, it's fun, but they're not like real martial artists or anything, but they do a good job making it fun and lighthearted. So it's not like you get too critical of like, well, that was a terrible roundhouse kick or that was obviously wire assisted. It just kind of works. You go in enjoying it for what it is. In fact, it, I'd say it has a lot of parallels to a film like Scott Pilgrim versus The World. And I can say I, and I'm one of those maybe interesting people that uh, did not enjoy Scott Pilgrim. And this one I enjoyed very much. It is slightly, not slightly, a lot more grounded in reality. But it's just very unique for the way it ends up having so many different genres that you don't expect. That, that's fun. I, 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 I heard it heard of it i saw the trailer but i had not ventured to watch it so based on this conversation i might have to give it a shot i think it's i think it's worth it i think everybody but you got to go in kind of realizing uh some of those elements i mentioned right it's not a straight martial arts film you're not going to be getting hard-hitting jackie chan style action and you know some of the fight scenes are just obviously these are just playing old actors some older characters get involved in the action uh, but it, great performances, 
what I thought was a great script. And as I said, as soon as you think you've seen all the genres that they're going to be adding together, then you're suddenly like, oh, well, there's another one. <laughs> uh, any other news? I, I feel like there's some, was, you were going to mention something. About yes, our... I am. But uh, yeah, if you like irreverent style comedy, then Plight Society is definitely for you. Otherwise, our friend Randall over at Kung Fu Conversations is doing a wing... Chun seminar. Uh, hold on. At I've got the oops. Uh, so let's see here. At the Denver Shaolin uh, Tai Chi Institute, uh, they will be doing a Wing Chun seminar uh, from July twenty second to twenty third. The price is twenty five dollars to join in for one day or forty five dollars total for both days. No experience is required. Both first timers and seasoned practitioners of all styles are welcome. Half the proceeds will go to funding the Denver Kung Fu Championship. Hosted by 5280 Shaolin. So you can uh, look up the Shaolin Tai Chi Institute at 5280 Shaolin. So yeah, there you go. If you're in that area and you want to learn some Wing Chun, hit him up. I, I feel like, uh, first off, if I were in that area, I would hit them up. Second, I feel like I was just listening to AM radio and a great uh, commercial set within the podcast the, the funny radio. the funny part is a lot of times when i go in the grocery store and stuff and you know people ask what okay and i'll just start rambling things <laughs> off and they'll be like wow you know has anyone ever told you that you should work in radio and it's funny because i did work in radio for what would be about six months but i did absolutely nothing with the radio i was doing sales and marketing which was not for me so hey if anybody listening wants to hire me as a radio dj on any local station am or fm i'm your guy Anywho, uh, do you have some quotes for me today, good sir? I do have one quote for you. Uh, I realized the quotes I pulled were both uh, were two quotes from Lady Dragon because you know it's on Tubi, and we just uh, we both just watched it, and then I realized I've already pulled these quotes before. Alrighty. So here's another one, not from Lady Dragon. Okay. First, in regular reading, I don't even know her. Oh, hold on. <laughs> if I had the emotions, you would probably get it. I don't even know her. Is that right? Close. Yeah. Try. You do it. I don't even know her. Uh, Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. So there you it, go. It, it's funny. I couldn't get it when I said it, but once you said it, I was like, ah, I got it. So yeah, uh, yeah there we go. That one's also on Tubi right now, right? It is. Yeah. Everything, like Tubi is, is, uh, Tubi's rocking it because it I'm, I'm actually going to do a deep purge and I'm going to, a lot of these streaming services where I'm going to just not, I shouldn't say cancel. I'm going to go on hiatus for a few months, you know, pause my membership, uh, really start doing some, uh, budgeting of that stuff because some of them I hardly use. And as I always joke, there's that one show that you keep it for. Well, guess what? When the, the next season drops, I'll just reactivate for a month or so and then pause. So it's, you know, it, it's getting ridiculous with how many of these streaming services we have. It's almost come full circle. It's like before it was, oh, we're going to start saving some money. Now it's like I'm paying more than I would have with cable. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So nice. Good quote. All right. And that's okay. a, a very appropriate quote for the film we are talking about today. So are you ready to start talking about the film that we're talking about today? I am indeed ready to talk about the film we're talking about today. Awesome. We are talking about the 1979 martial arts comedy classic, Hong Kong kung fu comedy classic, one of my all-time favorite kung fu movies, one of the very 
first old school kung fu movies I ever saw, The Fearless Hyena, directed by starring the one and only Jackie Chan. And it is the last film he made for the Lowway Picture Company, and it was released in 1979. So, The Fearless Hyena. Uh, I'm not, I, I chose this one because we wanted to do some old school kung fu. Mm-hmm. We know what we're going to be doing next week for Shaw Brothers, but I need a little more time for research because uh, absolutely, I got to. Uh, there's some texts I need to read through about that particular film. This one, I was like, first of all, I've got a beautiful 88 films Blu-ray, you know, remastered Blu-ray. Uh, I could have just talked about it off the top of my head because I've seen it that many times, but. I gave it a watch because I love to sit down and watch this movie anytime. It is just, it's a Kung Fu comfort film. You know what I mean? Like, even though I just watched it, let's say I had friends come over next weekend, they see it in my collection, like, Fearless, like, you know, that sounds cool. Can we watch that? And be like, yes, yes, we can. No, I, I, absolutely. It, it is, uh, I remember the first time I rented it. I think, uh, it was, so the first time I saw it was on VHS tape. Yep. And I've seen it on VHS tape multiple times. This is my first time watching it on a streaming service, Tubi. Thank you very much. Nice uh, dub version. Uh, it was, was it the original dubbed? I believe so, yes. Yeah, I, I don't think, I've never heard uh, like a fortune star redub of this yeah, one. I haven't. It, yeah. it's, but it's such a great film. There, there are scenes that... Even if I go years without watching this film, which is rare, but even if I go a few years, there's scenes that just live in my head rent-free. Uh, and when I rewatch those scenes, I enjoy them just as much as the first time I saw them. Agreed, agreed. And for me, same thing. In fact, I'm 99% positive that I first saw this film in 1999. Uh, it would have been the springtime because... It was part of that VHS pack I bought from uh, Best Buy, the Jackie Chan collection. Uh-huh. So at this point, I had already seen a decent amount of Jackie Chan, as we talked about the films that were getting re-released, you know, after Rumble in the Bronx's success in 95, and then First Strike, Operation Condor, Mr. Nice Guy, even Who Am I? I'd seen all these, obviously, uh, even Super Cop. Super Cop was rated R, though, so I had to wait till that was playing on edited uh, TV. Why Super Cop was rated R, I have no idea. I still, yeah, that is that one, one thing I still don't understand to this day. No nudity, very mild violence, and not even any swearing in the English dub that I, I can think I don't think of. anyone passes away either. Uh, yeah, no, there is the the big, you know, drug lord shootout scene there. A lot of people oh, get yeah, there. Oh, yeah, but I mean, it's a, but, it's kind of like A-teams where yeah, you don't exactly. really, you You're not know. seeing anything graphic. But anywho, uh... So that's why this was one of the first old school Kung Fu movies I ever watched. Because I want to say I may have just randomly watched this one first and was just blown away. And that pack, you know, had Fearless Hyena and Dragon Fist, which we've talked about and love, very Mm -hmm. on par with each other. Then it had New Fist of Fury, you know, not as good. And then uh, it had Shaolin Wooden Men, which I love, but, you know, also not as good. Uh, But this film... For the longest time, and I still say, as far as the old school Jackie Chan movies go, it's my favorite. It's my favorite of the old school Kung Fu Jackie Chan movies. I can say that with confidence as an overall film. Like, I love Dragon Fist. I love Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. Mm-hmm. But the Fearless Hyena, you know, every time, like, if I was to put them side by side, watch them all in a row, it's the most consistent one for me. And it's that one that I can just 
put on over and over again. I think that has to do with the quality of action throughout the the not only the amount of fight scenes but how good they are from start to finish and a lot of that has to do with our protagonist already being such a high level martial artist from the beginning which isn't always the case with a lot of Jackie's older work you know we saw that in it's kind of like that it's more comparable to Drunken Master except for unlike the <laughs> Freddie Wong character in the English dub or the Wong Fei Hung he's playing who's oh he's good but not great you know or he's so-so in this film Jackie's character is phenomenal from the get-go, but then needs to become even better in order to uh, avenge his well, grandfather. You, you know, uh, we'll get into the details later about about the the caliber of his fighting throughout the film because it is it is a distinct it is distinctly different from so many of his from so many films of that era where the where the student is not necessarily advanced is a novice is is trying to better themselves uh you know is trying to learn something because somebody's wronged them like you said this is the, our, our protagonist is a lifelong student from the get go and what i love between between the next to final fight and the final fight the only thing that changes isn't oh let's go into more training it's actually like a, a strategy meeting mm -hmm. and that is that's you know the strategy he gives him is is a little you know it's a little funny a little fun but at the same time it is it is far more realistic to think that you know it's just it's like a corner talk like between round one and round two where he actually gets a coaching and now he learns how to apply all the tools that he's amassed uh but I, I digress. Let's 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 uh, let's get back on track. And th this one stands apart also in terms of just the overall production of it, and maybe that has to do with Jackie finally getting to take the reins a hundred percent. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of unique stylistic choices. Uh, now, how much of that was Jackie? How much of that was by music composer Frankie Chan? Yes. Or how much he stole? Uh, and in terms of <laughs> the music choices, the sound effect choices, uh, camera work choices, right through from the opening sequence, you see, okay, this this is going to be different. There's it, there's a lot more ingenuity to it. There's a lot more care put into it. And so, basic breakdown of the plot is we have Jackie and his uh, grandfather are part of the Xing Yi clan. Now, whether that has to do with the actual martial arts style of Xing Yi, I'm not sure. Whether I I always watch the English dub of this. I have seen the Cantonese one. Uh, that was the long, for the longest time, the DVD I had was the one I bought in Hong Kong. So it was only the Cantonese dub, but I didn't have time to rewatch it. So uh, pretty much they belong to the Xing Yi clan. They're on the run from an evil warlord that's trying to wipe them out. And so the opening sequence is the warlord chasing down the unicorn and his two students. The unicorn manages to escape, but the warlord, uh, played by Yen Shi Quan, the great Yen Shi Quan, and this was my first time seeing him, and that's why this is the role that always sticks in my mind. For a lot of people, they would remember him as the antagonistic uh, kung fu master from Once Upon a Time in China, and then, of course, the evil governor from Iron Monkey. But this is my preferred favorite role of his, but... Anywho, so he manages to kill the two students, one of those being Eagle Han Ying, Kung Fu star Eagle Han from Korea, the South Korean uh, Kung Fu star who had a uh, 
decent-sized career in the 70s and 80s. Uh, he was obviously, it uh, looks like a Taekwondo proponent, but I've read for years that he was also a seven-star praying mantis expert. Whether that's true or not, Ooh. I'm not sure. So right out the gate, even when the opening title pops up, we get a an interesting, almost like, it's it's a musical cue, but it, it's kind of animalistic. It sounds like almost kind of western esque too. And then it cuts into the music, and so we're we're getting unique sound effects. We're getting unique musical choices. A really great panning camera shot as soon as uh, Eagle Han's character is cornered by Yen Shi Quan, uh, the evil warlord. And I'm trying to think real quick what his actual name is. Uh, I'm not even sure if he, if they really say his name. Uh, is it supposed to be Yam Tin Fa? Uh, I'm trying to find, you know, that's the the hard part with Wikipedia. And, okay, let's see here. So they have him as Yen in, on IMDb. So I don't know. We're just going to call him the Warlord. So uh, anywho, he kills Eagle Han uh, because he won't tell him where and the unicorn or... Jackie and his grandpa are. And then that's the catalyst for the beginning of the film. So then we see Jackie and his grandpa. And Jackie is mischievous, you know. He's this kung fu expert that's not allowed to use his kung fu or show it to anybody. Uh, and he doesn't really quite grasp the reason why, I guess. I'm not sure if his grandpa's really ever told him. I'm assuming they've talked about it because they're always on the run and stuff. But, uh, you know, and Jackie gets into trouble with uh, some gamblers. And then... Uh, winning money from them and then wanting it back. So he has to fight him off. Grandpa finds out, you know, they have a great stick fight, whatever. Eventually, Jackie takes a job from these same gambler people because their master uh, has a kung fu school and they need a new instructor. And so pretty much he's fighting for money. He's fighting mm -hmm. for money, even though he does it in disguise. And he foolishly lets them use his family name as the sign for the school. So pretty much this draws the attention of the warlord who finds them kills his grandpa. The unicorn stops Jackie, though, from trying to intervene and instead trains him uh, in order to take revenge. So that's a basic rundown of the plot. We'll get into more of the finer details. But yeah, it's got your standard kind of kung fu movie revenge plot. Once again, that uh, thematic type element that crosses over between the wuxia pian and the gong fu pian in terms of revenge. Uh, bao chou, if you remember I taught you that one. Or... Uh, uh, rede not redemption, what's the revenge or, uh, it's so funny, I can think of it in Chinese, bao ying, but not in English. Uh, uh, so not redemption, not revenge. Uh, how funny, hold on. Now I got to look it up in Chinese. Retribution. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that's funny. Okay, but uh, yeah, this, this common theme uh, of revenge and so forth. So, one of the things I do love about this movie is it's a classic English dub, but it's none of the familiar voices, really, that we're used to. It's not a lot of the the, the ones that you heard all the time in Shaw or you hold, heard all the time in Golden Harvest. It seems to be like a unique voice cast, but man, do they do a good job selling some of these characters. And oh, absolutely. The, 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 that's one... That's one area where this film, I feel, sets itself apart from so many other films of this era. It's in the casting. Now, there are familiar faces in this film, but they're not necessarily in familiar roles. It's like they're in the roles that they actually have the acting chops for. And, but the, you, just to 
to take a step back, speaking about the dubbing, the dubbing in this film is really fantastic and a lot of fun. I mean, you have you have your you have your comedic voices, of course, with the three the the three gamblers or right. your your comedy relief. So you've the guys got who their, run the gambling den, yeah, yes. So the those guys who uh, who are who are actually very comedic, but it doesn't doesn't sidetrack us. And you know, of course, Jackie Chan then affiliates or you know the character affiliates with them, uh, but James Tien. I think is in one of my favorite roles for him. Agreed, a hundred percent. He's 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 not playing that double crosser who then has to like use his, I would say, somewhat limited on-screen fighting abilities. Instead, Agreed. he's playing a grandfather who's teaching his grandson martial arts. So he's not necessarily. I mean, what he does on film works, but we don't necessarily have to buy him winning out all these fights. I agree, a hundred percent. It's it's my favorite James Tian role. Uh, and yes, you know it's James Tian, but it's also the most unique one costume-wise for him, where it's, if you didn't know the genre as well, you wouldn't realize it was him. I mean, you look at, like, Hand of Death, you know, a previous one he had done that Jackie's in, and, oh, let's just give him a long Fu Manchu mustache, okay, or even Dragon Fist. He he did a really good job in Dragon Fist, so, I mean, they're probably on par with each other, but in this one, he's like the older grandpa, right? And like you mm -hmm. said, he doesn't have the same abilities like someone like Jackie does, but Jackie obviously made him look his best in these two particular films they did together for low-way uh, motion pictures, but here, we have him in a great role, but yeah, the the dubbing is the kind where the the casual fan can laugh at yet it's still done so well that they'll maybe laugh at it or hearing some of these voices initially and continue watching some of the legitimately really bad ones it's like oh let's all laugh at it ha ha, ha. and then five minutes later you're like okay this is really obnoxious and i can't stand watching this movie anymore this is different you're gonna have some laughs and stuff but it's done so sincerely and the 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 character's they kind of fit almost into stereotypes, but in fact, previously when I used to give you movie quotes too, I used one from this from uh, Yen Chi Kwan's master character. <laughs> yes, you did. He talks in this stern voice like this, where you, baby. <laughs> but even the opening sequence with like Eagle Han, he's like, "I like you and I respect you as a fighter. Tell me where they are and I will not kill you." You know, he has a great villain voice. You've got the the three gambler enforcers, like you said, with. I'm the great bear. You didn't fight with me. And it, yeah, it's it, it's it's over the top, but it it works, right? And then it does. Yeah, you've got the teacher character. Uh, you know, first the S is for the silver that you must pay. S is for our school being the best. But uh, well, we're we're also slipping over what I think is uh, my personal comedic performance uh -huh. by Dean Sheck. Yeah, and so real quick, this is the first time I was ever exposed to Dean Sheck. I think it was the perfect introduction to it because it's a cameo for sure, and it's just a, the perfect amount of Dean Sheck. You know, it's a nice little, and it, it, it's my <laughs> personal favorite because I think it works the best too. It's not yeah. It's not obnoxious like his- uh, Half a loaf of kung fu. Well, or, yeah, or I was, I was thinking the boat rowing character from The Odd Couple or, you know, mm -hmm. one of those. It's uh, it's it, it's funny because we've seen a lot of comedies. Uh, when I say we, I'm talking about all of our listeners, everybody. We've seen a lot of comedies where you've got great comedic talent with no restraint dropped into a scene. 
And so often, and I don't know how people feel about my saying, referring to Dean Sheck as great comedic talent, but so often he seems to be the the counterbalance comedy that they just drop into a scene, oh, go do your thing. In this one, I feel like Jackie, Jackie Chan, through his writing, through his directing, and through his like, you know, collaboration on screen with him, because they they had worked before. This one captures, puts Dean Sheck in a in a in a role that allows him to excel, period. It's just enough. He's fully dedicated to a role, which is usually what he does. And sometimes that can be, with with due respect, a little annoying. But in this one, it works so well. It just shows that with the proper direction, how good he can be in a film. Right. And it's a, it's, it, I 100% agree. You put it perfectly. And for context, it's pretty much Jackie's grandpa is telling him he needs to get a job. So he goes to a funeral parlor to try to get a job from Dean Sheck, who's t- teaching him how to sell the coffins. And you see his eccentric nature and the way it ends is great. So yeah, you got <laughs> yeah, to you gotta watch it. You got to watch it. So pretty much it's also my favorite Dean Sheck performance. So we've, we've talked about the martial arts sequences. The opening sequence is great. Uh, and it's an introduction to us as viewers, like, wow, we are in store for a special treat. Uh, Jackie's first fight scene isn't really much of a fight scene. Pretty much he wins a bunch of money at a gambling table. And the three enforcers, uh, played by the Great Bear. Or see, the character's names are the Great Bear and Iron Head. And I'm Stony Egg. But the three of them try to get the money back. <laughs> and that's a very kind of comical, goofy fight scene. It's done well, though. In it fact, it, it's, it's kind of like... Uh, very Three Stooges-esque as I was watching it this morning. It's that kind of slapstick, but done very well. You've seen this same thing attempted in Kung Fu movies or really any movies in particular, and it fails, right? It falls very short. This one works just right. Some interesting technical choices, some fisheye lens stuff that like we Mm -hmm. also saw in uh, Dragon Lord. Uh, And so it's like, okay. But really after that, that's when he gets busted by his grandpa when his grandpa realizes... Oh, the swine is good. Is it from the same shop? Yes, but it's the better wine, Grandpa. And like he pretty much gets caught that he was gambling. So his grandpa decides to teach him a lesson and they have a stick fight. And that stick fight, you're like, wow. And that's the main showcase for James Tian's character you were talking about. And it's a phenomenal sequence. Very comical and fun, but fast paced. And it's shortly thereafter where these the three guys from the gambling den find Jackie because they want to recruit them. Uh, their master sent them to find him because they want him to be the instructor at his, their school, where pretty much his job is to fight all the challengers, take their money, and take their students. But he doesn't want anyone to recognize it's him, so he's always in disguise. So he comes up with this kind of... Uh, probably... I, I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be any particularly, like quote-unquote, mentally challenged character or anything that wouldn't be considered PC today, but he's just a low-class servant-type character that crosses his eyes and asks very ridiculous, like, you want to fight? But the action is great, and that's all that matters. And then he does a sequence in drag where he's fighting uh, another uh, Bolo ripoff. I don't know the actor's name. Very big star. He looks more like an athlete. Uh, yeah. than a, a bodybuilder because he's got giant arms and a chest, but he's got a very like like a football player build. But uh, yeah, so we, the, the, uh, this whole part of the 
the film for Jackie are the fight scenes are great. Still very well choreographed, very fast paced. We get a weapons fight scene in there, but they're also heavily comical, especially the sequence in drag where Jackie is fighting completely in drag. That is, uh, you know, a little more, I shouldn't say a little more, a lot more on the comical side, a little less on the extreme Kung Fu side. Well, it's so when he first emerges as like, so the C or the teacher doesn't want to. So uh, wait, real quick. My question is, and I meant to go back and rewatch the Cantonese version. So the head of this school, uh, who's played by Bruce Lee, uh, film uh alumni uh Quan Lee who was in uh The Big Boss as one of the cousins uh the the short portly one and he also popped up in Fist of Fury uh anywho uh his character in the English dub is teacher it gives me an air of uh you know authority uh but I wonder <laughs> if in the Cantonese dub it was like Sifu or something like that. Yeah, right? it has I, to be I something along assume. those lines. But because it, yeah, and he's like, My name is Teacher, but if you say it close together, it yeah. gives me that air of authority. Yeah, it's it's he's it's a great character. This this film is layered so the martial arts sequences are layered with depth. And so is the comedy. It's right. not just it's not just surface value. They're kind of things are built on top of each other. So with with the uh, when people would come to challenge Ticha, he would uh, he would act as though they're beneath them. Well, first you have to let's see if you can beat my waiter, and then that's when Jackie comes Jackie out. Chan comes yeah. out to the theme of the Pink Panther, <laughs> which makes me think of you. And definitely, <laughs> sorry, Frankie Chan, you did not write that music. No, you, and I mean that they they take probably like. Not even four counts. <laughs> Maybe that's how you can avoid a lawsuit. <laughs> Although I don't, I don't know. It's like no, they didn't care. And then it like cuts. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it, it's it's so you you know you're in for some comedy. And we what's what's nice about that sequence the first time he before he emerges, we actually think that he's going to emerge as the character he's playing. Yeah, his normal self. You know, we we think it's going to be oh this this is going to be or he's going to start fighting people his way but then no he comes out as the as the waiter i think for two fights or three fights and then he comes out as and when when aj says in drag he's it's like chun li almost head to toe in a chinese dress and yeah i'm not sure what the that style is called because it's not a cheap how but it's like yeah because it's long pants and the top but i mean he's full-fledged makeup wig the full attire the shoes everything he's got fake uh a fake chest which are oranges, so you'd think when the, the big guy he's fighting had first grabbed them that he would know the difference because apparently that's the whole point is this character. The reason he dresses up in drag is this this big master that's challenging them is, uh, uh, I think they say a quote-unquote sex maniac. So you'd think he would know that oranges aren't typically the same feel as a normal Yes. Well, chest. he does play, it, it almost turns into a... Uh, uh, Red Riding Hood sequence where, oh, what big hands you have, what big oh, feet yeah. you have. <laughs> well, your hair, your legs are hairy. Yeah. yeah don't you think they're nice? And then he so like funny. kicks them. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't think about that. Another parallel I didn't uh, catch, which there's one at the end we'll talk about. But yes. Yeah. So pretty much all this exposure is what brings the warlord to the notice of them. Jackie flees. Well, first he flees because his grandpa shows up and sees him. So he flees. The grandpa sees the sign. He knows they're in trouble. Shortly thereafter, the Lord, the warlord shows up, has a little discussion with Ticha, and then leaves. That's the last we see of Ticha, the school, or the three uh, buddies he's made in The Great Bear, Stony Egg, and Ironhead. 
But right after that, the warlord actually asks, Jackie's not paying attention. He's contemplating everything he's done wrong. The warlord shows up not knowing who he is and asks for directions to his grandfather's house. And he gives them to him, not realizing until later, wait a minute, that's my grandpa. So the warlord shows up, (laughs) kills his grandpa, doesn't know that Jackie even exists as his grandson. And then uh, Jackie shows up trying to save him, but the unicorn stops him. Uh, like covers his mouth, holds him down with his cane and stops him because he knows he can't beat him. Uh, They have a dramatic moment. Grandpa! Like some slow motion. And, you know, he's all, he's angry at the unicorn at first, but the unicorn was like, you couldn't even beat an old man like me. How would you expect (laughs) to beat him? Another great uh, voice. And then so Jackie finally comes to his senses and then they go off. Once again, there's this, as I mentioned before, I love how they just randomly go off to a new house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, did how does it work? How did it work back then? Did you have like all these different homes, like a summer home, or did you just wander through the forest, find an abandoned home and be like, all right, it looks like no one's here. This is ours now. But it's all furnished and it has like bed sheets and stuff. So the unicorn must just have a, you know, a summer place somewhere. But uh, yeah, that's where they start training together. And the very first kind of sequence we get with them is they're eating together. Yes. And (laughs) it's the first time, as far as I know, that this whole, uh, what you might call martial arts movie trope is done where Jackie goes to eat and with the chopsticks and the master takes it away from him. And then they have like a chopstick battle, like Mm -hmm. famously was done in uh, Kung Fu Panda. And it's been done in other movies also. It's it's been done done a few times, but- I think Fearless Hyena is the first time they did it. So we have sequences like that. And then it cuts into Jackie's training, which he takes very seriously. It's not like, say, when he goes to train with Sam the Seed and Drunken Master and he's always trying to escape and be lazy. No, he's driven because he wants to avenge his grandfather. Uh, And so much so that at one point the unicorn says, take a rest. And he's like, I'm not tired yet. And he keeps going. And you can tell he's he's winded, but he keeps going. So it, it, you're... You're spot on there. This is this is a different type of protagonist than we're not than we are necessarily used to. Right. I feel like I threw in a double negative there somewhere. I don't think so. I didn't catch it. Okay. Maybe uh, I omitted both. But yeah, and then eventually he learns the I guess what you call like emotional kung fu style from the unicorn because it's going to be the only way he can beat the warlord and his henchmen who do eventually find them, and the final confrontation takes place. And as you'd expect, it's a kick-ass finale. It, it really is, and and what's funny is when they're when they're first discovered, it's actually Jackie Chan seeing them and being so emotionally uh, tra- traumatized or triggered that he can't communicate and he attacks the the master. Uh, they oh yeah, escape. so this is, this is before he even learns the emotional kung fu. Yeah, so, this so is when he's, he's like, just having yeah. this like emotional like outburst, and and but then that's that's where I say they they don't necessarily go and train even further. He gets more of a a coaching session from the unicorn, saying, "This is your strategy. You use these emotions to confuse the to to confuse your opponent to get in their head and get them off." their center. And it was, it was, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit there, but I, what I really appreciated about that is, is essentially, you, you know, your opponent, your opponent is extremely strong. There's no way that you would, there's no way to, to, there's no way to slice it 
other than he lost that sequence. Like there's no way even as a character he could think, oh, I could go back at him. So the you know, unicorn pulls him aside when they go to another empty random house, or maybe it's the same it random the house. Same, it's the same one. Yeah, it's the same random house. They didn't find him yet. They were in town yeah. when Jackie saw them and went crazy. And then he went through the the steps, like this is how you approach the these types of scenarios and you kind of catch them off guard. So that's what I was referring to earlier. Like I love that it's the the next part of the training is psychological and strategic because we know in real life whether we're in random kung fu fights or in day-to-day soccer games, day-to-day office situations, what will make one day a win over days that would usually be losses is approach and strategy, how we control our emotions and how we strategize around what somebody else is giving us. And that's what I loved about the sequence. And so there's there's so much of this film that 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 I appreciate. And and we we did skip over the not really skip over, but you mentioned the food eating sequence. I will say that's the one sequence that lives in my head. And I, I it's on absolute total recall. I love that sequence when they're eating together. The oh, yeah. timing is impeccable. And there's another training sequence where he has to try to get out of the house while only standing on <laughs> yes. some pottery type stuff. And then the whole gag of he picks it up and makes the master hold it and then vice versa where, oh, we're fighting. We'll try not have to hold the pottery and not letting it break, which has been redone and Jackie reused, for example, even in Rush Hour, that kind of gag was reused. So there's definitely some, and what that makes sense. This was his directorial debut. He wrote the film, you know, so a lot of these ideas were his own and he utilized them throughout his career. I, I think what makes this film so special and also another film for me really special within his uh, filmography is Young Master. And what they both have in common is uh, they both throw in the kitchen sink, but not randomly. It's it, it's Jackie Chan knowing what he wants in the film and he blends it together in such a way that Everything is in there. You've got comedy. You've got your Pink Panther homage. You've got your different homages that we'll talk about. I know there's one other one that happens at the end of the film. But we we have a film that has everything you would want in it from a kung fu film, but also different from everything we've seen before. And again, like you've pointed out, it's a nuanced difference. The protagonist joins, we join the protagonist at the point of his Kung Fu where it's already superior. We have uh, we have James Tian playing a slightly different role. We have the unicorn. Now people might say, well, why didn't James Tian fight the Kung Fu master? Which of course he ended up doing and, and doesn't survive. Or the unicorn, the unicorn has a cane. So the, these are men who are unable to face that Kung Fu master. Um, so it just, they're, they're I don't know, this, this story is, cooked well enough that everything's in there, but also slightly different. And it strings together in such a beautiful way. And like one of, one of my favorite quotes in the movie, when, when Jackie Chan is going after the master at the end and, and the unicorn is on the ground and he's like, I'm going to get him or I'm going to go after them. And he says, you will, but at what price? And there's, there's a, there's a, you know, you know, is there a physical price? Is there a bigger price than that? And I mean, unlike a lot of other films, and I'll, 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 I'll yield the floor in a second, it doesn't just end when he wins. 
I know there's an homage at the end that's kind of funny, yeah. but there's also like an emotional point where he's, you know, calling out. I just, I was only smiling because I love that line. Uh, is it at what cost or at what price? Do you know for sure? Did you write it down? Is it at- I wrote, but at what price? Okay, but at what price? But the funny part is with the dub and the way the, and you won't be able to see my face when he says it, but at what price? <laughs> yes. And he kind of does this weird look on his face. And uh, <laughs> yes, there's just so many great lines in the, uh, the English dub. But you're right. And the, the other connection, it, it's interesting. The parallels between this and The Young Master, which was also directed by Jackie. The Young Master is you already saw the involvement of Jackie segueing more into the stunt type world. Not mm -hmm. like Dragon Lord was a little more disjointed as a film, but that's where we truly yeah. got to see some amazing stunt work. But The Young Master is like the perfect in-between of the classic Kung Fu Jackie about to become the stunt Jackie. But The Young Master as an overall film is stronger, I'd say, than Fearless Hyena. Just... Uh, you know, it's more experienced, more experienced, exactly. And but his character in that doesn't go through, yeah, yeah. His character in that doesn't go through any training. He's already at his peak from the beginning. Yeah, uh, but there's definitely a parallel here of how great of shape Jackie's in too, and physique's mm -hmm. on full display during the training mm -hmm. sequences. And Jackie has never looked more. I would say this is the film where he looks the most jacked on screen, without a doubt. Even it, more it, so than The Young Master, there's some great shots. But in this one, we we truly see how phenomenal of shape he's in. If if you told me that Sylvester Stallone watched this film before he shot Rocky IV, I would believe you completely. Because there are some sequences where he's pulling those bags mm -hmm. and his master jumps on the bags or the unicorns on the bags that just feels right out of Rocky IV. Yeah, and it's interesting. And I, I was doing some research in grad school when it comes to the training montage. And it, it's very... It's one of those synchronicity type things where it's like, because, yeah, you look at in American cinema, what was the true like real first quote unquote training montage? I mean, you go back to old boxing films from the 1920s or even the battling butler with uh, Buster Keaton. And yes, there are quote unquote kind of training montages, but the real training montage like a la Rocky, it was around the same time that the first like true training montages in Kung Fu cinema were starting. Uh, which, yes, was more like the mid or late 70s. And if you think, mm -hmm. no, it was earlier, I'm like, okay, then let's look at some movies from like 72, 73. You weren't getting like real training montages. Uh, so, yeah, I just went down a little bit of a tangent. But no, yeah, no, no. It's, 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 it's a fun tangent to, yeah, to go exactly. down to see where what's influencing what or what's happening at the same time and it, why yeah. is it happening at the same time. Exactly. So it, it would be interesting. We'd only ever know by talking to Stallone if he had some. Uh, influenced later on from uh because we know he was a fan of jackie's but i know and i, I just it just I, I just felt like watching that it it felt a lot like rocky four and when i say that i mean it as a compliment to both gentlemen because we see some phenomenal training sequences throughout the rocky films but there's something about a double two song montage of rocky four i'm not trying to sidetrack us but how fit Jackie Chan is in this film in particular and how fit Stallone is in Rocky IV in particular, I I think we'd be hard-pressed to find at any point where they were more fit or where they were – where other people were just as fit except for maybe Schwarzenegger and Commando. There you go. Nice. But yeah, the one of the other differences uh, in comparison to The Young Master is overall – they're, yes, they both have comical kung fu scenes, but Fearless Hyena has more 
straightforward, hard-hitting kung fu action. It does. That the young master doesn't have. Because, yes, the ending finale with Wong and Sick is fantastic, but even that one is done still more to comical effect. Absolutely. Uh, but almost all the fight scenes and lead up in the young master, aside from like the prison breakout sequence, are done comically and they're fantastic but this film yes as we said we have the middle sequence where he's working for the school and fighting in disguise otherwise the fight scenes are more savage they're more brutal they're more they're like in dragon fist that fast pace so this is almost like more of a preview to contemporary style jackie mm -hmm. than say young master would have been even though young master as i said earlier was kind of that segue into the stunt part of jackie's career the this film in Dragon Fist had that element of how fine of a choreographer he was and the fast-paced, hard-ending action that we'd see later in films like, say, Police Story or Project A, uh, 2 in particular for me. But in Fearless Hyena, if that's more of your style of kung fu is like real straightforward, hard-hitting, brutal kung fu action, you're going to like it. Because even in the finale, when he starts utilizing the emotional kung fu, where he fights at some points like very happy, he fights at some parts very sad, he fights at some parts very excited and then angry. And then even that, it's it's it has some comical effect, but the it never sacrifices or the choreography is never sacrificed for the sake of comedy. It's still very fast-paced, very brutal. But it is interesting how watching it on the Blu-ray now, and it's so beautiful and remastered, how much Yen Shi Kwan is doubled in the ending fight. I was going, so I was going to ask your opinion. Yeah. Not, not. Because uh, the version you watched isn't that great. Uh, I know. But I, you can tell from the wig. Right, exactly. But on the Blu-ray one, you really see, because <laughs> you may have said, thought, oh, it was just his wig, because of course he's wearing, mm -hmm. he has a great wig with a vicious uh, widow's peak on it. But no, when you're watching the Blu-ray, you clearly see it's a different actor. But the interesting part is, then there'll be a sequence where it's very intricate choreography and it's obviously Yin Shi Kwan doing it. So it's yes. like, huh, I wonder what the purpose of the doubling was. Was it reshoots? Was it, oh, just this particular movement he couldn't get? He's another actor where it's hard for me to find information on him. I don't know his full background uh, as far as a martial artist. Was he a Peking opera performer? Uh, you know, what? where was he from exactly? Uh, it would be it, interesting to find it's out It's funny more. that what, what you bring up... Uh, First and foremost, like, is the hard hitting aspect. This is Jackie, one of Jackie Chan's hardest hitting films. Yes, police story. Yes, crime story. Yes, even in the Project A1 and 2, there's some hard hitting sequences. But this film in particular, it is unlike uh, your young master. And, you know, even your Dragon, Dragon's Lord, which we, you know, we talk about the kitchen sink. That's more like the gourmet kitchen sink. Maybe a little too much was thrown into that one. But I digress because. We're, we're on Fearless Hyena, and I, I do have a lot of love for Dragon Dragon's Lord. Um, but this this film has some some kind of unfiltered Jackie Chan fight sequences. And, you know, we were talking about, well, why was Super Cop rated R? Like, if you told me Fearless Hyena was rated R, I would still be hard-pressed to believe you. But I could understand it more than, than Super Cop. And with that said, I was going to ask you who you thought the stunt double was at the end, because they're, you know, I don't know if they're there because they, they are so familiar with Jackie Chan that it's, I, I almost wondered if it was Yuen Biao. No, but definitely not Yuen Biao. Uh, I couldn't recognize who it was. They I, seemed very leaner for yeah, sure. Yeah, it wasn't Yuen Biao, that's for sure. And it is interesting because also, uh, and I wish Frank Jang would have done the commentary for this. I didn't get the chance mm -hmm. to listen to the one on there, but- I have a feeling that this film was shot in Taiwan. And the reason why is, first of all, 
even like his house with his grandpa, his house with the unicorn. Have you seen these in any other movie? I ha- I don't think I have. Maybe no. Fearless Hyena too. No, well, yeah, maybe. Yes. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> no, I I've never seen them. Right, and then even the village like set. Never seen it. The school set where he is working for teacher. I've yeah. never seen it before. And the landscape and scenery would lead me. So, so most of these, a lot of the low weight pictures were shot in South Korea, right? Well, this scenery is not just the sets are very different, but the actual nature and stuff is more tropical, bamboo-ish, which could be, if someone say, oh, it's Hong Kong, but it could also very easily be Taiwan. On top of that, in a lot of the more outdoor shots with the mountain landscape and stuff, first of all, you never get the classic oceanscape view of Hong Kong, like at the end of Young Master, where they're fighting up on the top of the hill. There was a, a there's another famous peak that's in a ton of kung fu movies. You don't ever get any shots of that. It's it's much more like it's inland, uh, and also it's it's hot wherever they're filming. Their their backs are sweating and stuff, which therefore makes you leads you to believe it's probably not South Korea because typically when they were shooting there, it was always so darn cold. But they obviously shot in non-cold seasons as well. But I just have a feeling it was in Taiwan and maybe whoever they had double was a, more of a local guy or whatever. I'm not sure, but Do, I'm just, you don't think You don't think that someone who doubled him could be a slightly leaner music composer? <laughs> well, if anything, the guy looked more like Frankie Chan. Yeah, he did. He looked like UN Biao. No, I, I, the only reason I say definitely not UN Biao is because I would recognize UN Biao. Yeah, I, I know. This, I was like, I kept trying to slow it down, but I'm streaming, like, you, you have the advantage of Blu ray. Like, I'm trying to look. I'm like, the I think face doesn't tiny look like his. To be Frankie Chan. Frankie Chan wasn't exactly tiny. He was just kind of normal. The Whoever's doubling Yen Shi Kwan, even though Yen Shi Kwan's not tiny, just comes off as very lean, like you said. So, I'm, yeah. who knows? I don't know. Maybe like, Dean Sheck. <laughs> Hey, man, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, you tell you what, I'm going to go back and rewatch it now and really pause and look and see if I recognize if it's maybe okay. Xiao Ho or anybody else. And, and, and if you if you figure out who it is in next week's podcast, let's open with that. Sounds like a plan. But yeah, as, as you mentioned, even after he wins the fight, spoiler alert, I mean, we know it's coming. There's like an emotional dumpage right afterwards, a drain mm-hmm. where he's just like, ah, oh, grandpa. Like, right. I think he says grandpa. Yeah. And he like looks up. But then the very last shot of this film, and I, I texted this to Gavin. It's so funny. I have literally watched this film dozens of times. If I had to guess, you know, conservative estimate, I've watched 30 times over the last uh, 1999 to 20, 24 years. Uh, that makes sense because I used to watch it all the time when I first <laughs> yeah. got it. So anywho, I've watched this film dozens of times and I'm finishing it this morning and Jessica was down on the couch with me watching it and it's the final sequence and I've always thought the final the final shot was a little weird because I think they're playing Japanese music. They are. Yes. So they are. They're playing Japanese music and I, I recognize that from the very first time I watched it. I thought that's really interesting because it's almost like little kids singing but we're sitting there watching it and Jessica's like, oh, it's like Lone Wolf and Cub and I just pause and I look at her and I'm like, oh my God, how did I never notice that? And that's exactly what it is, is Jackie's pushing the unicorn, his now master, in because he's, he's, you know, he's crippled, he has trouble walking, but it's a cart exactly like the baby cart that they use in Lone Wolf and Cub. And it's not a coincidence. It's got to be an homage. And what are they singing in Japanese? I was trying to hear what they're singing and I couldn't quite make it out because it's a little little muffled. It's sort of like they ripped it just like they ripped the Pink Panther theme. So I think if I was, if I were more familiar with the Lone Wolf and Cubs series, like if, if as, as familiar as I am with the Pink Panther series, yes, we know I am very familiar with that series. uh, I would probably be able to tell you, oh, that's from Lone Wolf and Cub. 
the first ones, like one third one, because I have a feeling well, it's a I've song never, pulled from that. I've never recognized it from any of the actual movies themselves. But I feel maybe, like it's got to be a, a title title song. Yes, or to something. Maybe even yeah. a, a manga or, uh, or I guess not a manga, an anime or something or even an advertisement. I don't know. I feel like there's got to be some association with it. And now it makes sense after all these years why they threw in a random Japanese song. But also, this was the time where Jackie was really starting to market himself to the yes. Japanese market. Uh, and people well, and, and Japan was eating it up. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. you the know. Late 70s and 80s and through the 90s for Jackie – was he, Jackie and I've, I've talked about this in previous episodes. He was a marketing genius in terms of who his films were selling to, right? Mm-hmm. And so he he saw the Japan opportunity, utilized that for like 15, 20 years. Then it was to finally time for him to break into America, does that. And then, you know, 15 years or so, then mainland China is now the big one. So he jumps, he jumps from fan base to fan base. He knows, you know, he's a smart guy in that sense. But this was truly the beginning of Japan era Jackie, so much so that, uh, on the Blu-ray, there's some special features. There's the Japanese trailer, which I don't quite enjoy the trailer as much as the Dragon Fist one I showed you one time uh, yeah. in Japanese. But the Japanese version does have its own theme song. Oh, and it's I'm sure. awesome. Crazy Monkey. I think I sent you the- Yeah, you sent me time. Crazy Monkey Crazy before. Monkey. And then the rest is in Japanese. But uh, Crazy Monkey. And yeah, I-, I, I uh, the the 88 films blu-ray has uh one of the audio tracks is the the one that was for the japanese market with the Cant- it's cantonese but with the like japanese i think musical cues and stuff so maybe it does have the theme i i need to sit there and watch the whole thing so that'll be interesting but yeah so anyways any final thoughts on the fearless hyena you know um i'm really you know i'm sorry that this these last couple of days didn't pan out the way we planned but I got to tell you, a comfort film, a kung fu comfort film is a great way to comfort the the letdown and to watch uh, watch Fearless Hyena and rewatch that food sequence in particular uh, and within context, not just pulling it up out of the blue to watch that sequence. Uh, just really a great joy. Agreed. Very well put. So, uh, yeah, one of my all-time favorite films, as I always say, this is my favorite old school Kung Fu Jackie film. In fact, I was just telling Jessica about it this morning, uh, and I've mentioned this a few times. So when I first got to the Shanghai Sports University, I went there to train in San, the Chinese kickboxing. I went for a semester just on my own, and then I got mm-hmm. a scholarship to keep training there. Uh, so it was like the welcoming dinner. I'd already been training there for six months or so, but it was the welcoming dinner now that I was in the actual like official program where I was supposed to earn a master's degree. It didn't really pan out. But, uh, and so all the other foreign students are there and everyone's like, oh, there's this guy from the Jackie Chan stunt team that's, uh, you know, in our, our class or whatever, because there was a, f- a certain amount of spots for Americans. It was like me and my buddy, Danny, uh, yep. who I'd already known for years at that point, we got the American scholarships. And so that's where I first met Max Huang, uh, who is from Germany, he's Chinese German. Uh, and he had done the movie CZ 12, which had okay. just come out at that point, like, uh, right before I left for Shanghai and they're like, Oh yeah, he's in the ending fight, this and that. And so I'm like, Oh cool. Right on. So I I meet him and like right out the gate, I ask him, what's your favorite Jackie Chan movie? And he had said fearless hyena. I don't know if it was just the one he was thinking at that time, but I was like, that's my favorite one too. Cause I always say it's my favorite of the old school Jackie ones. So shout out to Max Huang, who is on mortal Kombat two right now. 
really looking forward to that, especially because the rumor is they're fixing some of the things they did wrong in the first movie. So, and go back and listen to our episode because we gave it a very good review. We both gave it B pluses, but there was some major issues going yeah. on there. But I mean, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, well, yeah, no, we both gave it B pluses. And I think that was one of our first films that we both went and watched. Uh, in the theater post-COVID. In the theater post-COVID. Yeah. You know, I did realize that there is some martial arts news I forgot to okay. share. Throw it out there before Language so, Corner. After last week's, uh after last week's episode- uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid with Chuck Norris, one of our longtime listeners, friends of the podcast, James, sat his son down to watch his first Chuck Norris film, Sidekicks. Oh, yeah. And so Luke, Luke, Luke watched his first uh, Chuck Norris film. And Luke, that is the film that was one of the major influences for me learning martial arts. So obviously when I was very, how old is Luke? Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. Oh, that's okay. I feel like he's got to be he's got to be on the other side of 10 now. Okay, so a little bit least. older, but when I was, you know, I was born during the Ninja Turtles era. So I don't even count that. I mean, it's extremely significant, but Ninja Turtles were just a part of my life. But, you know, I'd seen Ninja Turtles, I'd seen like Batman and, you know, I always loved fight scenes, but it was two films in particular that I went to go see in first grade at birthday parties, one being Surf Ninjas, one being Sidekicks. That really influenced me wanting to learn martial arts. So Sidekicks, one of my all-time favorites. We'll have to do an episode on that. But uh, awesome to see that James is doing dad, dadding right. He is yes, doing indeed. his fatherly duties correct. But and, and, and I'm so sorry if I got his age wrong. Like, it, oh no, worry. It's okay. I, you, you, when you don't see people for like four years, they're stuck in that age, especially little uh, or younger uh, yeah. kids. Yeah. So next time I bump into him, I'll probably be like looking up yeah. to him. Like, oh, so, so you're not you, ten? You son of a gun! You're twenty. You're twenty-five. So today for language corners going to be a very easy word, and it has to do with the title. So the title does not translate as the fearless hyena. I believe the English. I think it's a good English title. Because yes, he's kind of like a hyena in the end, in the sense mm -hmm. of the laughing and this and that. But the actual title uh, is Xiao Chuan Guai Chao. Now, uh, the word I'm going to teach you to say is Xiao. Xiao. Uh, last time, like cutting down tone, Xiao, which literally means to laugh or smile uh, or to laugh at something. Uh, so, but breaking down this title, what it literally means is. Laughing fist. So that's easy. I've got that. I know those words. Uh, and then guai is strange. Like chi guai is strange. But then the last word, jiao, this version of jiao, uh, I'm not quite sure what the final meaning is supposed to mean because jiao can mean like to, uh, I have it written, hold on, to like beckon or recruit or enlist. So if I had to guess what it interprets as, it's pretty much probably the laughing fist strangely attracts or strangely uh, convinces, I don't know. I'd have to ask my Chinese teacher what that's specifically supposed to mean at the end. But what we're going to talk about today is the word xiao, which means to laugh, to ridicule, laugh at, or xiao. funny. Uh, so for example, kaiwan xiao means to make a joke. You're literally saying to like open, fun, laugh. Uh, like, so uh, quite often, as I jokingly say, when I meet Chinese people here and I start speaking to them in Chinese and they're like, you speak Chinese, I'll tell them, yeah, I am Chinese. And they'll be like, what? And then I'll start convincing them that, uh, you know, I'm a, a, like an ethnic minority. I'm like, yeah, Shashu Minzu, you know, like, which is minority. <laughs> and then uh, they'll pause for a second. And then I'll say, well, Kai Wan Xiao, well, you know, I, I'm joking. I'm, I'm making a joke. And they'll be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But Xiao, Xiao, it's very simple. It's the, it's the same as for xiao. small, which would be Xiao. Like it's the same pinion, X-I-A-O, Xiao. Xiao. Yeah. And so for anybody that becomes an English teacher, it's a great one to learn because uh, even though they, they want you not to usually speak, Chinese with the students, 
uh, or really in any sort of situation, 你笑什么笑 means what are you laughing at? So 你笑你笑什么笑 Exactly. So you laugh, what laugh? Like, so it's a way of saying, you can use this with any like verb, but I've caught people off guard before when like they're laughing at me, like if they think I'm stupid or something. Usually with it, I'll be, 你笑什么笑 Or if they don't know I speak Chinese. That uh-huh. happened once where uh, we, Jessica and I were at a, a night market. We had just moved back from China and this uh, Chinese guy uh, unfortunately littered right in front of me. He had Ooh. cigarettes, like a Chinese brand cigarettes and just dropped it on the ground. And uh, like I gave it to him and <laughs> I said, oh, this is yours in Chinese. And then they're like, oh, he said, this is yours in Chinese. And they were like laughing. And then I said to him, I said, what are you laughing at? You know, like uh, I said, don't litter because uh-huh. you know, I, I think it's a real basic thing that you don't need to do. But uh, yeah, so xiao. Xiao. There you go. All right. Thank you. All righty. So this has been a fun episode. Uh, looking forward to next week where we'll be doing a Shaw Brothers classic. So keep an eye and ear out for that. Anyway, this has been fun. Sorry we couldn't do it in person, but I'm sure I will see you soon, my friend. Indeed. All righty. Peace, my brother. Take care. Later.